and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show as the off-season gets closer and closer to winding up. Uh, next week, we have the kickoff to the IndyCar season, and then the week after that, the kickoff to the Formula One season. We've wrapped up postseason testing, and we've got lots to talk about from that. Next week, we get to talk about predictions, but there's all kinds of other stuff to talk, out, talk about in the meantime. Well, there, you know, all the writers and the reporters have come back from their vacations, and now everybody's abuzz with Formula One news. And look, there might be race-shaped snacks. <laughs> Maybe. Two, what is it? Two hours? Room, of, room. <laughs> Six hours. Six hours of uh, race day statistics and snacks. Hang on, I will go bring it up for you since you decide to throw that in there again. Seven hours of racing jargon and mindless statistics. Here we come. Oh, snacks. Mm-hmm. And they're race-themed. Well, vroom, vroom. <laughs> exactly. So, to get right off to the start, you know, Haas came out, they did fantastic. Well, much better than expected, I should say. I was going to say, they exceeded expectations. Scarily scarily well in the first week of testing they did not do quite so well this week but one of the other things that gene haas was approached on was the fact that there's not a whole lot of sponsors on that car right now okay and you know whether or not he was concerned because all that's on there right now is uh watchmaker richard meal which i believe is a sponsor of roman grosjean because it was a fixture on the Lotus cars. Okay. So I think they may have come over with Roman. But other than that and the Haas logo, there's nothing else on that car. So Gene was asked if he was possibly concerned by this, especially when you compare it to his NASCAR cars, which are rolling billboards. They've got different brands across all the races on all of those cars. So to not have anything on here is, you know, a little odd. Well, you know, you kind of think about Manor. They didn't have a whole lot of... Uh, sponsorship on their car and they needed the money um for the first couple of races too and we sort of saw an evolution now they don't they're not chock-a-block full but i'm wondering if this is like one of those things where testing becomes auditioning for sponsors in in a way it is and, and and gene says that but the other thing is to remember exactly why haas is in motorsports haas is a machine tool company right and they're a very big global machine tool company and part of the reason why gene haas has the motorsport program is to promote the company so he's so probably every not. other sponsor diminishes him promoting his company well i don't think mercedes thinks that you know having patronus on their car diminishes their not to the same but the, the other piece of that and it goes back to your auditioning is as gene says right now they they haven't done they have no product they right. haven't been out on the track there's nothing to go and show off to a potential brand who might want to come in and sponsor them because they don't know how the team is going to succeed so he expects that sponsors will come but right now he says they're not hurting for money they're happy with what they've got on there and we'll see what they'll see what happens when they go from there well the sponsors are also going to be looking for how well they get airtime i mean because that's that's what the point of the sponsorships is the advertising throughout the race. So if Haas is, you know, fighting in the mid-pack, which is kind of what it looks like out of testing, 
they might get a lot more airtime and you'll see them get more sponsors faster than a manor who's still holding down the back of the pack. Yeah. So Gene's not concerned about it. He doesn't he says they're not desperate for sponsors, but it has been noticed that there is very little on the car right now. Moving on to a team that has been rumored to be having some financial issues. More coming out of Force India regarding Vijay Malia. Um, he has apparently stepped down as the chairman of United Spirits, which was part of the sponsorship package for the Force India team. There were some brands from United Spirits on there. He has said that this does not mean that he is stepping away from Force India. He remains as the team principal and managing director. Um, he says Diageo may have security over his shares in the team, but ownership has not changed, and he doesn't know why everybody is making a big deal about it. So he says that it's not connected, that, that he is stepping away from United Spirits and how the, his financial stylings continue to evolve. <laughs> Financial stylings. It sounds like it's a Vegas, uh, you know, act. And you know something? In many ways, I think that's what his accounting looks like. Okay. It has feathers and showgirls? Don't, don't look over here. Look over at the feathers and showgirls and ignore the, <laughs> ignore the red ink over on this side because it's all pretty over here. Yeah, something like that. So... We're hearing some, some feedback from some of the drivers and, and on where the cars are and on some of the other things that have happened so far. And they're universally pleased with all things F1, correct? Well, first let's talk about cars. Okay. Okay. Um, we got word that Honda is running a revised final 2016 engine uh, at this week's preseason test. And it sounds like they have at least dealt with – most of the issues with the ERS. We're hearing that it's working better. Um, they're still down on power. The estimate is that they're down as opposed to the 100 to 150 horsepower that was estimated last year. They're only down about 50 horsepower. So that should bring them up. However, big however, and Jensen has said that this is a this engine so far this week has been a big, it's the biggest improvement that they've had to the car so far. Yay. Where they have stumbled, however, is that they have not finished with all the production pieces for the Arrow. Ouch. As a result, they have not tested everything that is intended to be on the car in Australia. So we do, A, we do not know what the, the, the final look of the car is going to be. And I don't think McLaren really knows how things are going to work until they show up down in Melbourne. And word coming from Jensen is that this, whatever they have done to the car right now, has been a bit of a handful. Well, I guess that's why we have three practice sessions. Yeah. So we will see where that goes. But, uh, yeah, the engine may be better, but now it seems that they've ruined other stuff on the car. We'll Excellent. see how that goes. Um, Kev Kevin Magnuson has come out with his comments on where things are with the Renault. He says right now, at least for the time being, uh, he thinks the team is on course to be just outside the points, at least for Melbourne. You know, th there's obviously still a long way to go and, and still quite a bit to do. Um, but asked what the RS-16, which is the name of, of their car, is missing. Kevin says the same as any F1 car, it's missing downforce and power. The more of that you have, the faster you go. So that's always what you look for. We can fine-tune what we have, and there's room for improvement, 
but we've come a long way the three days I've been in a car. He feels ready for Melbourne, but you never feel 100% ready. Now, by comparison, his uh, colleague, Jolien Palmer, has uh, described testing as disastrous. Oh, so they're having the exact same experience. Well, Palmer's problem is that his days that he, he was scheduled to go out there, there were mechanical issues, and he did not get as much track time. Uh, you know, something in the area of like 20 or 30 laps across the two days he was scheduled to drive because of technical issues. So, yeah, he did not get the seat time. It may not have been disastrous as much for the team, but it certainly was for him. Yeah, that's that doesn't bode well for your first day as a Formula One driver. Yes. Um, the 2016 Sauber car has been released. <gasps> is it blue and yellow? Why, yes, it is. Oh, does it have that fast white on it, too? I don't know. Well, it's got white. I don't know if it's the Ferrari fast white or if it's just white, <laughs> but it has white. Well, you know that the newest thing is white makes it go faster. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> um, Felipe Nasser, after driving the car uh, on Tuesday, after getting the first laps, has said that the new C35 is a step forward in everything compared to last year's car. Did that take much? You know, I think it did. Um, he said that good step forward from last year from the chassis, the engine, and gearbox side. It feels like we've made a step forward in everything. Um, you know, they he did get a good comparison because they were driving last year's car lot the week before. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, the, the info was fresh in his mind. Well, that's important. Yeah. Uh, along the same lines... Uh, Valtteri Bottas, after his latest stint in uh, this year's Williams, he thinks that they are right up there with the Ferraris. And in terms of the time, and from what we are hearing, there is a very, very good chance that Williams and Ferrari have at least narrowed the gap, if not closed the gap to Mercedes. So this could be interesting. I would love to see a Williams-Ferrari battle just would yeah well we did and then kimmy decided to cut in on valtteri and russia and yeah fernando alonso has been talking oh no that's almost like as scary as when bernie talks it kind of was actually this week um fernando has said that he believes that he can still be a world champion he is a world champion. No, that, that he could win another championship. That made it sound like, you know, after so many years, if you don't get another world championship, you have to, like, turn in your ring or something. Well, asked on Spanish radio if he thought he could be champion again, he said, yes, I think so. I compete to win. If there was no chance, I wouldn't do it. So why is he in a Honda? Well, that's the other thing is he's also said that He's going to be with McLaren at least through 2017. And odds are, at that point, he's probably going to be considering moving out of Formula One. Well, he should just on age at some point because he's one of the elder statesmen of the grid. I mean, I think he and Button are some of the older people on the grid, right? Yeah. Now, Fernando's estimate as to where 
the power unit is on the Honda compared to, to Mercedes is he thinks it's between 30 and 80 horsepower down, not the 200, 100 to 200 that was estimated last year. Well, so this is from Fernando's mouth. That's uh, a stunning increase, really. He also claims that he has never regretted leaving Ferrari at the end of 2014, despite the team's upturn in fortunes. You really think that's true? That That's what he's saying. Now, the other thing that he said, th- <laughs> this is even better. Okay. This is because it wasn't just that he thought that he could win a title at McLaren. It gets better. Mm-hmm. He has revealed that a proposal for a Ferrari-Mercedes swap with Lewis Hamilton for 2015 was on the table before he eventually decided to cut loose and join McLaren. Let me get this straight. So, in theory, he would have gone to Mercedes and Ferrari would have taken Lewis. That, that's what he's saying. Now, the odd thing here is that he goes on to talk more. Mm-hmm. And he says the following. He says the circumstances meant that it came up, but Ferrari didn't want it at that point. They were in talks with me to renew until 2019, but Ferrari's offer did not convince me, and I went to McLaren Honda. I don't know if Hamilton knew about it. So wait a minute. He says that there was a proposal for a a Ferrari-Mercedes swap for Lewis to come over to Ferrari and him to go to Mercedes. However, he then says that Ferrari didn't want it, and he doesn't know if Lewis knew anything about it. So who, where was this proposal made? In, Bernie. In, in his mind? Bernie. I, I don't even know if that was the case. I think this was an imaginary little proposal. <laughs> he dreamed it up one day. He talked about it with his girlfriend and said, ooh, this is an awesome idea, and bounced it at Ferrari, and Ferrari said, no, that's stupid. That's what I think happened. I would love to know where that came from, but yeah. I'm betting that, you know, they were out drinking one night. And there bunch, you go. A bunch of them said, hey, I know how we could really shake things up. So. So. The World Motorsport Council met this week. Do we finally have rules yet? We have some rules. You know, when, when I think of the World Motorsport Council, I mean, I, I have no idea what this group looks like or really who's on it or how they are. But, I, you know, I kind of think that maybe it's it, it's a cross between the the Supreme Court with all the guys sitting on the bench and looking down and peering down at somebody who comes up to, you know, maybe Bernie who's presenting the rules to them. And, and, and that distance that. would be great because Bernie's it, short. It, it's either that or... Um, what was it? Oh, oh, the the meeting of Spectre from in in 007, where they're all sitting around the table, and you can't see the head of it because you just see his body because his face is blocked by the smoked out glass. Maybe maybe that's yeah. I was thinking much more of like a lot the, of cigar smoke. I was thinking more like the round table at the Justice League. Maybe they need this song. <laughs> you know that 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 good broad opening to announce uh, maybe that's as they come in the door 
Ah. That's what they hear. That blah, you know, the evil laugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what has our League of Super Evil come up with? What we know is that the first off, the rules for 2017, they have approved that they will not be finalized before the end of April. April 3rd. So they've approved another postponement. That, that's for the, the 2017 sporting and technical regulations. Right. They have apparently approved the changes to um, the overall size of the cars mm-hmm. for them to be a little wider, for them to have the wider tires. Um, but they've also um, said that they're still expecting to have the 5% uh, increase or, or the 5-second increase in, in lap time. Okay. Um a compromise solution has been put forth, which has become known as the McLaren proposal and agreed by the teams. This features around a 25% increase in downforce, although that is half of what is or what was originally planned. Um, it was suggested that this may have delivered a jump of two or three seconds, but the FIA said in a statement Friday night that the gains should be more. Um, now, in a statement issued after approving the bodywork plan for 2017, the FIA said it noted that early simulations have indicated improvement in lap times by approximately four to five seconds on most circuits. That would be nice. So, we shall see. The other thing that was approved, mm-hmm. and actually really, really approved. Really, really? Yes. Was the qualifying change? They're going to have it. Yeah. So one of the odd things that has come out, um, you know, oh, and, and I should mention, not only did they approve the qualifying, but as you recall, we there was talk. Bernie, in particular, had come out and said that because of the the needed changes to the software and the graphics packages and all of that, that they could not be implemented before Barcelona. These changes are going into place at the season opener in Melbourne. All righty. They will happen. Bernie has said it will happen. Bernie has also said, now, and, and I have to. Bef- flops so often. Before I even mention this, we talked last week that this was pushed by the managing folks, the, the, the promoters of the race, mm-hmm. that this would be good and they wanted it to spice up the show. Bernie has since come out and said, I don't like it, but it's good that we are going to have something even if we don't like it. It might work if we knock out a few people. Having two cars at the end might work. Really? Now you say you don't like it. You were probably the big push behind it. He doesn't know what he says anymore. He's too old. Apparently. Now, Ferrari has come out, and in particular, Ferrari chairman Sergio Marchionne has called for a rethink over the idea of elimination qualifying in Formula One, and after saying that he isn't sure that Ferrari can accept the proposed format. Now, granted, he says this after he already voted for it. <laughs> Which leads me to believe that he went, oh, this is a really great idea. Then they announced it. They heard the fans really didn't like it, and now we're hearing that the drivers don't like it either. He's going, wait a minute, maybe this was a stupid idea. Are we sure that the World Motorsport Council is not the U.S. Congress? Well, I don't. That's the other thing is I don't know exactly who's on the World Motorsport Council. Sergio Marchionne, or at least Ferrari, is represented on the strategy group 
that right. proposed this last week. Right. So I don't know if he's part of the World Motorsport Council. And his statement came out before World Motorsport came out and approved this. And, and I, I really think it was, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. Let's go ahead and approve it. And then we hear that the fans don't like it. And it's the, well, yeah, well, maybe this ain't such a great idea. We didn't think that through enough. Like Double Dobby. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> All right, well, we'll see how long it lasts. So, let's see. Sebastian Vettel has spoken out against Formula One's new elimination qualifying system, saying it goes against the sport's DNA. Okay. Yeah. He goes on to say, I don't think F1 is broken. In terms of the show, Formula One is doing fine. But in the background, the decisions lately, and so on, it is fair to say it is lacking leadership. Mm. I think it is a little bit chaotic if a couple of weeks before the season they start to reinvent certain rules and formats of qualifying as it has been discussed in the last couple of weeks i'm not a fan of the qualifying and i think speaking on behalf of all the drivers we don't get what's wrong with the old qualifying and why change it it's important that the sport remains a sport i can see the excitement for some people of the randomness but i think it's important for the sport to remain a sport so in the end the fastest driver comes out on top to pair with the strongest team. That has been in the DNA of Formula One forever, as far as I can remember. Trying to change in such an extreme manner is the wrong way to go, and it creates chaos, and it creates criticism among the drivers and the fans. In that regards, it's fair to say it lacks leadership. You know, you get the sense that Sebastian's coming out and saying, you know, change for change's sake isn't always a good idea. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been harping on this for a year that Formula One may not be, it's broken, but what they're looking to try to fix isn't what's broken. Yeah. Again, smoke and mirrors. Go look at the showgirls on this side. Don't look over here at what's broken. Now, Christian Horner has come out and said that he thinks that teams will master the new qualifying system very quickly. Well, Button said that, too, in an interview we heard on Five Live. That it won't change a whole lot. He doesn't think it'll change a whole lot, but like many of the other drivers, he's not impressed with this idea. Right. What Christian has said is that it's not a big departure from the current system. It just puts more emphasis on getting it right on your initial runs. You'll probably run a similar amount of tires through the three stages of qualifying, so you just have to get your timing right. Of course, if there is a red or yellow flag, that is obviously going to create a mix around on the grid. So while there may be a slight element of randomness to it, teams will quickly learn to navigate their way through it. Well, and just think they won't have Maldonado on the grid to take somebody out during qualifying. And by the way, Christian says that this was Bernie's idea. He doesn't even lump it down to the nebulous promoters of the sport. He specifically comes out and says, this was Bernie's idea. <laughs> Revisionist history that is Bernie. And, you know, that, that's one of the, the problems I have is, you know, we talk a lot and, and we've heard a lot about how the teams have too much power. The teams set the rules too much and they really need a benevolent dictator to come in and say, this is how it's going to be for the good of the sport. Right. But the problem is the person who's in the position to do that is Bernie. And while, yes, he has done some things in the past— that were definitely for the good of the sport and improve the sport in many ways. 
the ideas that he's promoting today, not so much. <laughs> like I said, I think that they're looking at how to fix F1 without trying to admit what's the actual broken bits. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to change the payout structure, and that's part of the big problem. That would go a long way to easing some of the issues, and they want to turn around, and, and as we've said, improve the, or Bernie wants to improve the show without looking at what the actual issues are that they're not seeing the racing that they want to get. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. Other changes we know are coming for 2017 is the controversial, even more today, controversial halo head protection system, which Ferrari ran briefly this past week. Okay. Now, this is their take on what the system would look like. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen ran about two laps with it um, as part of just some installation laps. Um, it looks you – know, we, we've both seen it. I, I'm not sure I really like it. Um, I think the, the visibility is not so great. Well, the giant post directly in front of you seems to be a bit of a problem. And the more I think about it, I'm like, well – I get that they didn't want to put side posts on because you really need to know what's going on inside of you. But having something sticking dead straight in front of you, I'm not sure about yeah. that. So Kimmy was asked after he got out of the car what his thoughts on visibility were. Mm -hmm. um, how, you know, how well he could see, all that stuff. This is his exact words. This is a quote. Exactly what Kimmy had to say. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Was, yeah. He, he said visibility was okay. Well, you know, if he says it's okay, it's probably, you know, downright positive. Now, Red Bull has their own, which has been called a Batmobile-type halo. Um, this is more of like a tall windscreen that wraps around. Um, they'll be trying that next month on a show car. So this will not be in a race situation. It'll be on an older car mm. just to go out there. However, already there's some senior folks within Red Bull who are saying that, yeah, we're not, we don't really think this is very promising, mm -hmm. but we're going to try it anyway. Yeah. Um, Lewis wants a choice on the new Halo device. Oh, so that you could decide to have it or not. He calls the protection as too drastic. Oh, there's too much protection. Well, he, he thinks it, it's just—he doesn't think this is the right, the right thing. First off, he says it, it's the worst-looking modification in Formula One history. Um, he would be right. Yeah, he says he understands. And I don't agree with him on style most things. Yeah, but this one I'm <laughs> agreeing with him on. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, I get to agree with that one. <laughs> he says he understands safety is a huge issue and something that they have to work towards, but this is not the one. <laughs> this is not it. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Vettel has come out and said that the, the device can be as ugly as possible as long as it helps save lives. Now, Sebastian has gone on to say, as much as you know, he slammed the qualifying, um, he thinks that uh, Henry Surtees and Justin Wilson would still be around if we had this type of system. And as you recall, both of them were, were uh, killed when they were hit by debris uh, while racing in other forms of motorsport. Okay. Devil's advocate moment for you. 
Okay. So our last death in Formula One mm-hmm. was Jules Bianchi. Mm-hmm. Halo. And that's what's sparking this. What? That's what's sparking this. The halo would have saved him? I don't know because of the speed and how that impact happened. Yeah. I mean, you, you hit the a, a tractor at 100-some-odd miles an hour. I'm not sure that there's much more that you could have done. Although you could go with the solution that, that Sniff Petrol uh, w- threw out there and, and actually posited that Ferrari was testing this this past week. And that would be wrapping their head, the, the driver's heads, in cotton batting. I, I like the idea of cotton wool. I yes. definitely like the idea of cotton wool. Um, <laughs> mostly because I'm pretty sure that that's between a few of their ears already. Um, okay, so our last driver that died was Jules Bianchi. Mm-hmm. Contributing factors to his death were a wet track. He couldn't see, and he could not see, and he hit the tractor trying to pull another car. I'm not sure it was that he couldn't see. He was, I think it was more along the lines of the guidelines for speed and regulating speed under a yellow and double yellow condition Mm -hmm. were poor at that time. And as a result, when he came around that bend, he was going fast enough that when he hit the bend, he lost traction because he skidded into the tractor. Right. It wasn't that he didn't see it or anything like that. The tractor was off track. Right. He skidded off the track and hit the tractor. Mm -hmm. I get that part. Okay. Prior to that, the last death was Ayrton Senna. Yes. Ayrton Senna, I believe they said, was killed by a small piece of debris. However, this is while it was not a death and he did come back, Felipe Massa's incident, mm-hmm. his crash where um, the the suspension spring came off the, the Williams of, uh, I can picture his face, uh, Bra- the other Brazilian. Oh, I'm drawing a complete blank and I can see his face. Um, fell off the car and hit. Uh, Felipe in the head this halo probably would have deflected that spring okay so that's what I'm trying to get at Mm -hmm. is what would it have you know what have we seen in recent history that this is the solution for or is this a solution looking for a problem and I'm always looking for those things because they talk about flying tires I've not seen a tire hit a a driver's head recently um the you know the the other time that this would have also helped and it was damn lucky that it was not an issue was in spa in 2012 in the massive crash that roman grosjean caused oh where that they flipped it, the cars if it you know an inch in the wrong direction with the current system would have put a tire through fernando alonso's head having the halo probably would have deflected that tire up and over Mm. okay i'm just i'm just i'm asking the questions because i it i hate it it's ugly it is i i this is not i would much rather if they were going to do this they just go and, and completely enclose it and you know Little carbonate style type thing. A little polycarbonate. Yeah. Uh, like a fighter jet. 
dome or well, something. The, the concern that they've had is that while that option has been talked about, um, it's believed that it does not provide enough protection mm. and would actually provide less protection than the halo system. Interesting. Yeah. Because that, that is something that's been tossed around. Why don't we just have them wear it on their helmets? A halo? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Because have you met Kimmy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. So we, we've heard from several drivers that they do not like it. They're not happy with it. They will not wear it, green eggs and ham. Yes. <laughs> um, to the point that Daniel Ricardo has told Nico Hulkenberg that there is no need to be a hero over the halo. Okay. He's tired of Nico complaining about it. So back to Bernie. Back to Bernie. Mercedes chief executive Dieter Zietz has hit out at Bernie Eccleston's latest criticisms of Formula One, claiming his actions are damaging for the sport. Now, as you recall, we talked last week about the comments that Bernie had made to the Daily Mail about how he wouldn't spend money to take his family to a race and that it's the worst it's ever been and all of that stuff. Well, Dieter Zietz came out. He was, uh, he's quoted by Reuters as saying that no matter what Eccleston thought, he should keep negative comments private. He says, at the Geneva Motor Show, I was not going on the stage to say I would never drive a Mercedes and customers should better not do it. I don't understand how someone who's not only the CEO but partial owner of that product talks that way about the product. If he feels like that, it should be discussed internally how to change it, but not as a sales pitch. Wow. And I agree with him, 100%. 100%. I agree. I think Bernie made a fundamental error to go and diss his own product. Yeah. So winter testing. Winter testing. Um, Roman Grosjean had some issues. You know, the, the first week of testing, Haas blew everybody away. They were, you know, they put down, they, they blew themselves away. They, they, they got... Uh, much more laps than they expected it. This week, not so much. <laughs> what happened this week? Um, there were a couple of issues. Uh, one of the big ones is that uh, they were having break-by-wire problems that uh, hampered Roman Grosjean's testing that were so bad that he caused three flags over the course of Thursday's running, ending up twice in the gravel. Mm. Yeah. Um, after working late in the night, Haas found the solution, and Grosjean had a successful morning on the final day, logging 53 laps. Um, there was also a, some fuel pump issues and some electronic issues earlier in the week that, as we mentioned, limited Julian Palma's uh, uh, running. Ferrari did not have nearly as many issues as they had last week, and that's the big question that is going on now. The big question is, how has Ferrari's pace matched up? Right. Because if you look at sheer lap times over mm -hmm. the four days, number one and number two were the Ferraris. Right. Um, day one and day three, fastest times were set by Kimi on Ultrasofts. The Snuggle Bear tire. Mm-hmm. Um, on day two and day four, Again, fastest time set by the Ferrari. This was Vettel. This time it was on the Super Softs. Okay. Um, Nico Rosberg was in third with his times. Lewis in ninth overall with his times. But we go back to what did we talk about? 
Well, you don't know what their setups are. You don't completely. And one of the things that people have said is that Lewis, as they were doing their race simulations on the last day of testing, kind of blew everybody away. Mm. Um, because he was running, I believe, on the mediums at that time and was setting down faster times than anybody else was on those same tires. Wow. So it, it wasn't the fastest time of the day. But it's different tires, different setups, mm-hmm. different things. What people are saying is that it does appear that based on the times, and, and, and it, it's, it can be a little hard to tell, but based on the times that they're seeing, it appears that at the least Ferrari may have narrowed the gap. They don't think that they have necessarily closed the gap, but they think they've narrowed it a bit. And there's also talk that Williams may have narrowed that gap as well. Cool. Again, super hard to tell right now. The other numbers that we have, once again, Mercedes, um, 619 laps, far and away more than any. Actually, I can't really say far and away this time. They did s- run more laps than anybody else. And actually, um, I believe the mileage number that was run over the eight days was something like five or six Grand Prix weekends. It was a lot. Wow. Um, Toro Rosso, again, number two, this time was 602 laps. Okay. Now, what we did find out, you know, one of our outstanding questions with the Toro Rosso and their 2015 engine was whether or not this engine was going to continue to get upgraded throughout the season. It is not. So that is the expectation is that the Toro Rosso may run strong the the beginning of the season. But as we get through the flyaway races and, and get to the European part where the new upgrades start coming in, we start seeing them fall back. Yeah. Um, next up was Ferrari with 501 uh, laps, Williams with 479, McLaren right behind them with 453. Hey, their car worked. It did. I didn't hear of any major mechanical issues on the Mercedes this Mercedes or excuse me on the McLaren this week. Awesome. Um, Red Bull with 448, Force India 446, Renault with 433, Sauber 406. Then we drop down to Manor with 237 and Haas with just 193. Right. Um, in terms of mileage by engine manufacturer. Again, Mercedes was way out there with 8,290 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Ferrari, you know, when you compare, consider the number of engines that they were running, their 2016 engine between all the teams ran 5,121 kilometers. Um, Renault down to 4,100 kilometers, which I think was a lot considering it was just on the, well, their car and the tag engined, uh, the Toro Rosso, despite all their laps that they put in 2,802 kilometers. Wow. And the McLaren with 2,108 kilometers. Interesting. So we will see how this goes. So now do we want to get to your segment? Yes. All right. Well, because we need to get the intro. We got to do it right. We got to do it right. Next week being the opener in, that's I believe an oval in Phoenix next week. Uh, You're asking, that is not part of what I'm talking about tonight. Oh, okay. Well. (laughs) 
I think that's a great lead into IndyCar. So to answer your question, yes, the opening race is not in Phoenix and not an oval. Oh, is this St. Petersburg? St. Petersburg, Road Florida. Course. Road course. That's right. All right. So what we are starting is we're going to do IndyCar 101. Okay. Which is as much, well, it's basically, you know, remember like when you were leaving high school and going to college and if you didn't pass the the entry test for the 101 class you had to take the 99 class this might be the 99 class <laughs> fair enough I, I i think that that's valid you know we, we need to have that well so i've spent the better part of the week digging through to try to see if i could understand indycar enough to teach it you're gonna have the sporting regulations for us um i thought about reading the entire rule book but you told me that the show could only be an hour yeah so we're going to break this up into segments, and then I think that as we go forward, should we decide that we like IndyCar, we may dig into some of these pieces in more depth, and we may start to talk about where the races are and what's going on with the races or possibly the teams, the drivers, all things I don't know anything about just yet because I focused on the rules. Okay. You know, the exciting part of the of a racing experience. Okay. So, in, in other words, th- this is not going to do this for us. Ow, this isn't nearly as lame as I thought. That's why our couch cushions are worn so unevenly, because we're always on the edge of our seats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but where that was, remember, she had already let in with seven hours of mindless <laughs> racing. And mindless statistics. statistics. Yeah. So, okay, so start with the rules. And the first thing I wanted to discuss, I have five major points that we're going to go through. Okay. I figure I might as well start with the outline. Yeah. The first thing I want to talk about is what is different between an Indy car and a Formula One car? Because we're already starting to talk to our Formula One fans. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to learn Indy, we got to start with the differences. Honestly, I think from the pictures I've seen of the Indy cars, I got to say, I think they kind of look cooler than the Formula One cars. <laughs> now, I could tell you that there's height differences with the front nose, there's lengths, there's this, there's that. There are very specific style differences. Um, but I can sum it up this way. When you look at the cars on Formula One's grid versus IndyCar, Formula One's manufacturers and their teams are allowed to change a lot about their cars. Mm-hmm. IndyCar, here is your chassis. And only up to a few years ago, it was also here is your engine. So, so the, it's a spec series. It's a spec series. Um, very much about the differences in driver skill versus mm-hmm. what the technical side of the car build could be. Okay. Um, so the next big difference between Formula One and IndyCar, the tracks. Well, yes, we have Indianapolis for starters. Right. Well... So I started going through the rules. I should tell you this. As I'm going through the rules, I started to realize that IndyCar, every rule has 92 different exceptions to it. (laughs) So bear with me because we are talking, we're seriously at like the 50,000 foot level of this. But the tracks in Indy are both ovals and road race, road tracks. Mm -hmm. So some of the races, they only make left-hand turns. Some of the races, they make left and right turns. 
Aha. I know. Exciting, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Now, things I don't fully understand, we will learn more of them, is there appears to be, there's like an indie series, and then there's like sub-series within them. Yeah, there's indie lights and... And, and, you know, this, that, and all of these things. Have not figured that one out yet. Okay. And I will tell you that IndyCar.com is a plethora of actual information. Yes, it is. There is a lot there. But because there is so much... This you got to take it in, yeah. in pieces. Yeah. We're auditing this course. Yeah, you right got to take it in pieces. All right. So the three major things that we like to know about in Formula One is how qualifying works, how the start works, and the points work. And that's why I'm just going to talk about the versions within Indy. Okay. So qualifying. This is going to shock you. There are three different methods of qualifying in IndyCar. Wow. All right. So. If you are racing on an oval, but not the Indy 500 oval. Of course not. (laughs) Take everything about the Indy 500 and just put it in your back pocket because it is its own beast. Okay. So every other oval starts with a blind draw of all the drivers getting placed into two different groups. Okay. They go out for the first session in their group. Oh, no. I'm sorry. The, it's a blind draw. Ovals are a blind draw, and you go out on the track by yourself. You get two warm-up laps and then two green flag laps, which the aggregate of those is your time, and that positions you on the grid. That's an oval start, starting process. Okay. The exception to the Indy 500 seems to be that you get four green flag laps. But... Then you have some sort of, there's a Saturday qualifying, and then there's a top nine shootout in Indy 500. Now, is that, when you say Indy, because there's more than one race at Indy. Right. Are we talking about? The 500 has a a top nine shootout. Okay. Um, There's the other race, I believe, is the road race, and that's that's a Saturday race, I think, versus a Sunday. It's not the same weekend. It's weird. Yes. And then there are some races that are double header weekends, and that affects how qualifying yes. works. Detroit, the, the Chevrolet duel in Detroit is a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday. So qualifying on Sunday has some dependency on finish on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And you hold, you stand in a circle and you, you know, tie one hand behind your back <laughs> and, and, you know, run around in circles. I, it's crazy. Do the hokey pokey and. Now, <laughs> The f- the road courses is a very similar situation to our current F1 system, not the new... The old system. The old system, not, not the, the new, new system. The old knockout qualifying as opposed to the new knockout qualifying. But the difference is that in what we would call Q1, mm-hmm. they, the drivers are separated into two groups. Group one goes out, and the top, the bottom six drivers out of that group don't advance to what we call Q2. And then group two goes out and the bottom six fall out. So then grid placement from that point, from wherever that stands, lines in the grid, and I think it's 13 back, the last 12 people on the grid, all of group one gets odd numbers in the order in which they finished, and all of group two gets even numbers. So by my reading of the rules, it's statistically possible that the person that is in let's say it's grid position 14, mm-hmm. was slower than the person that was in grid position eight, uh, 17. 
Does that make sense? Because it's divided in groups. Okay. I'm telling you, Formula One has a long way to go for weird rules. <laughs> so then in what we would call qualifying two, all of the groups no longer matter, and it's a strict, the bottom six fall out, and then you have the top six that vie for the top six grid spots. Now, when we get to a race, and I kid you not, the rules are written this way. All starts in IndyCar will be rolling starts except in standing start races. Well, sure. (laughs) I wish I was kidding. (laughs) That is exact. I mean, I wrote my notes and I actually wrote the WTH right next to it. (laughs) I'm like, that makes no sense to me. But it looks like the majority of the races are rolling start races. They they line up for a parade lap behind mm-hmm. a pace car. When the pace car peels off, they they can start racing once they cross the green flagged line, the start finish line, and go forward. That is, but they can't break the the uh, their right. pacing until they start that line. So it's a rolling start race. There are often rolling start restarts too. And the restart line is actually between turns three and four. Don't hmm. ask. It, I got confused. The one thing I'm not confused on. Okay. Points. You're going to have to count higher in IndyCar than you do in Formula One. Well, there's more cars on a track, aren't there? There should be because positions one to 33 wow. get points. And the points range from 50 to five. Except at the Indy 500 and the last race of the season where they do double points. Of course they do. <laughs> well, now we know where Bernie got that brain brainwave from. And the even oh, best part about this is at the Indy 500, you also get points for qualifying. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait. There's more. You get bonus points for being on pole. For leading at least one lap or and leading the most laps. Now, you only get one point for pole. You get one point for leading at least one lap. And if you led the most laps of the race, you get two additional bonus points. Okay. Well, I mean, at least they're, they're awarding drivers for various success points through the weekend. As opposed to the driver of the day. <laughs> How many times do you think it'll be Kimmy? Can we make that prediction? Can you add that to the prediction list? <laughs> um, so now all of this to say I have literally spent what I have just summarized in what, 10 minutes has taken me almost a week to distill down <laughs> <laughs> and I still don't fully understand it. I'm going to need the IndyCar version of Steve Matchett to explain it to me. Well, we'll find out. Well, that's the other thing is that NBC Sports does not carry all the IndyCar races. Mm-mm. Some of them are carried by ABC. Correct. So we will see who is the um, the sage of the IndyCar. I know Matchett has called some IndyCar races. Well, doesn't uh, Lee Diffie do IndyCar and too? He does some. Bob Varsha has done it as well. Um, it depends on where they've got races being covered and how. If I and, and I think we talked about this last year, but the weekend of Monaco, if I remember correct, no, it couldn't have been Monaco. 
there was a race that had them fly. Maybe it was Pocono that they flew from their normal commentary pro, uh, area to call the Formula One race and then flew out to the IndyCar race and actually called the IndyCar race trackside because they don't normally do that. Oh, I remember that because they had like 12 hours to get from point A to point yeah. B. Yeah, and, and it, it couldn't have like, been Monaco. No, because they it, it was in the States. They yeah. did it from inside the States. Now, that's the other big thing that you should know about IndyCar is – if you want to go to a race, you have many more opportunities within the mm-hmm. United States. There are very few, but there are some international races. Only Toronto, I believe. Um, I couldn't, I can't confirm or deny because I haven't have, talked about the races yet. They they have tried to get down to South America. They they almost had a race down there this year. It did not happen. Um, where they do have a race this year that is brand new and it is a bit controversial is Boston will be hosting a, a race. It will be a road course, I believe, in September. Hmm. Well, I haven't gotten to the point of talking about the races. I okay. strictly focused yeah. on rules. Um, I will tell you that it, it looks like the teams all have, not only do they have the same car and, the same, and they could have a choice of a couple of different engines, they are also issued their own um, transport vehicle. Um, they all modify them. They're allowed to modify them to however they need mm-hmm. them, but it is their own. It is, there's an IndyCar standard of that transport vehicle. Ah. Um, and if you go to IndyCar.com, you can see it and it explodes out to all the different parts and what's in it and how it breaks down and everything like that. It's actually really cool. Okay. Um, everything from meeting space to garage space to where they store the extra engines. I mean, it's pretty nifty what's in there and, you know, it's it's a trailer that you can, you know, it basically folds open and does its yeah. thing. Did did you happen to have gotten get any info on the trophy, the championship trophy um, for IndyCar? It is called the Borg Warner Trophy. Okay. Um, the notable thing about the trophy is that on the the trophy is the face of every driver who has won championship interesting yes interesting your your face could be on a your trophy. face goes on the trophy so they don't need their faces anymore it's like face off the movie and you take their your they peel your face off and put it on the trophy that's kind of gross yeah and that's also not really how it works <laughs> which is a good thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, more in our continuing series of IndyCar 101, possibly 99. I'd audit this class. I wouldn't try to take it for a grade because <laughs> your professor knows nothing about what she's talking about. Um, all that to say, I'm actually getting excited about expanding our motorsport knowledge. Um, I'm getting excited about the season opening um, at Mid-Ohio so that we can go down there and see a race live and in person. Um, even if it's going to be a, just a various different types of races throughout the season. Last bit of local news. Local news. Very local news. Our local track that we went to last year, Nelson Ledges Racecourse, announced that they have new ownership. And as a result of their new ownership, the track has been closed until it has been deemed safe for racing. Really? They are planning to do major upgrades to the track we don't know exactly how much is being done uh the assumption is that the road surface itself is going to get done um, wow which a lot of 
drivers are really crossing their fingers on. Um, there's some folks who are planning on taking part in the Moto Series who are very upset, though. Oh. Yeah. That That's pretty sad. But, you know, I between the the road course, which has always been considered a very rough course and is in disrepair, um, but they also have four straight miles of tires yes. that the EPA would like for them to get rid of. Yeah. Well, you know what? Maybe what they can do is they can take those tires and ground them up and use that as part of the new road surface. That would be a very interesting way to use them. There are technologies to do that. I, I wonder if they could because four straight miles of, of tires. A lot of tires. A lot of tires, and that might get them a couple of extra feet of road surface. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, um, please feel free to share your IndyCar questions, and we will do the research for you. All right. I'm not promising great answers, but I'm promising attempts. Maybe maybe they'll be correct answers. Maybe. Or I could get further confused by the rules. Because seriously, how many times do I have to see the asterisk that said, except in IndyCar yeah, or Oval Except race. at the Indianapolis 500, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you can send those questions to us either over on the Facebook page or by going over to uh, com and uh, commenting on the podcast post. But on that, I think we'll call it a show. Show. Show.